Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And I, uh, I'm very happy to have in the studio today uh, Dan Brentro and Peter Vitilio. Vitilio. And they've got this uh, fantastic story to tell about Mr. Brentro's daughter and uh, what is turning into a very interesting research project. First of all, gentlemen, thanks for coming in the studio today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. So let's start. Uh, Dan Brentro, you are a, uh, a local attorney, Sioux Falls attorney, and your daughter, you got into this uh, uh, voyage, this odyssey, because your daughter uh, came down with Friedrich's ataxia. What is Friedrich's ataxia? Now that you've, uh, you've uh, uh, learned about it and studied it, what is it? Sure. At, at, uh, at the most basic level, uh, Friedrich's ataxia is a protein deficiency caused by an, a genetic anomaly. And so uh, she's walking around with maybe a third of the normal protein levels that, that you would have. And that protein deficiency uh, prevents her nerve and heart cells from repairing themselves. And it causes uh, her to uh, lose muscle uh, and coordination. Uh, it causes her to lose heart function. And uh, it's often associated with early mortality in, in patients' 20s. So when did you, your daughter is 16 now. Your daughter is uh, um, Reina. She's 16 years old. When did you first know that she had uh, Friedrichs? It was about five years ago that her pediatrician noticed that she had something unusual about the way she walked that wasn't quite mm -hmm. uh, balanced. And so they sent her for various tests, various specialists. And uh, eventually, uh, Dr. Kruer at, the, at Sanford Children's, uh, clinic diagnosed her with Friedrich's ataxia. It was his his initial guess, and then they have to send it out for a uh, a DNA test down to a lab in Oklahoma, and that was the longest seven weeks to wait for that to come back, and uh, that's that's when they confirmed it. So during this time, when you first learned that that's a possibility, uh, you're a father. What did you do? <laughs> I uh, I'll first tell you this: the the first thing that happens. In a moment like that is, you know, we, we get the diagnosis all as a family and, and hear, uh, hear the news. And, you know, Raina's trying very hard to make sense of it, and we're trying to help her with it. And uh, the, the meeting lasted maybe two hours with Dr. Kruer. And uh, afterwards, we go outside, and we're waiting for the valet to bring the car at, you know, at the front of Sanford. And her mom asks her if she <laughs> wants to sit down while she waits. And... Uh, with the, the most positive attitude, she says, no, I'll stand while I still can. Mm. And so I think that kind of set the stage for how, um, how I wanted to approach this, which was to be positive about it in, in as many ways as we can. Um, you know, the first couple of years after the diagnosis were very uneventful because, it, you know, only her pediatrician noticed something was wrong. It's not like anybody else could tell there was anything wrong with her. Um, but she, you know, slowly started losing motor function, and uh, it became harder and harder for her to to walk, especially in crowded hallways at the school. Uh, harder and harder to use a pencil, harder uh, to type, um, and you know, it's now at the point where, at age sixteen, she can't paint her own fingernails. Uh, she has an unsteady hand when she wants to take a selfie, and mm -hmm. so it's it's starting to impact things on a on a much more profound basis and she spends part of each school day uh you know in a wheelchair because it's just easier to get around and where she go to school uh, she's at lincoln high school she's a junior 
And uh, I should introduce now Peter Vitilio. And uh, Mr. Vitilio is a scientist with Sanford Research. Um, first, what I want you to do, Peter, is tell people uh, from your perspective, how did you get involved in Friedrich's ataxia? What, 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 how did it enter into your life? Yeah, so this happened around the same time uh, Dan had mentioned uh, Raina's diagnosis around five years ago because my laboratory, I don't have any expertise in Friedrich's ataxia. However, a lot of times uh, these diseases that seem like they're, they're distinct from one another are actually sometimes the, uh, the effects move through the same um, molecular and cellular pathways are dysfunctional. So I mm -hmm. happen to be studying antioxidant enzymes that are present in all of our cells. And somebody from the Mayo Clinic who studies Friedrich's ataxia um, made a discovery that this, that this gene deficiency Dan talked about for this, uh, encodes for this protein called frataxin, that it actually binds to one of these antioxidant enzymes my laboratory studies. And we thought that was something novel and interesting. And there also happened to be a uh, partnership between the Mayo Clinic and Sanford. So it sponsored a year's project uh, between our laboratories to validate some of that work. That's pretty interesting. So um, you, uh, at this point, you guys don't know each other, right? Back in 2012, no. No, when you got the diagnosis in, in 2012, neither of you had ever met. And it's uh, uh, pretty interesting. And we're going to come back after this break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, how you guys got together and where this is going. It's, a, it's pretty interesting stuff. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And we uh, are continuing our discussion with Peter Vitilio and Dan Brentro. And they are two guys who have gotten together um, in pursuit of, um, I don't want to call it a cure, but a solution or a research on Friedrich's ataxia because Mr. Brentro's daughter uh, was diagnosed with Friedrich's when she was 16 years old. No, she's 16 now. This was 2012. She was 11. And uh, and we've sort of heard about the backstory there. So tell me, Dan, you're now you have the diagnosis. All right. And now you know what it is. And it's essentially you're thinking my daughter's going to die in her 20s. What what do you think at that moment? So my my first thought actually was uh, not about death. It was more about her her wedding. And I was thinking I'm going to roll her down the aisle and that's sort of the way that i came to, to terms of what we're dealing with and um you know it's 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 a death sentence for for some kids and not for others uh some of these people are able to live longer uh and i i like to think on the positive side but what my next step was was to start researching and, and reading everything i could find about it and uh and we actually we got on a plane to philadelphia to the world's uh leading research center uh at the children's hospital of philadelphia uh, and uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Lynch out there met with us for you know a generous two or three hours to explain the disease to us and and gave us a lot of hope about what the research is is bringing. And so I left that meeting and I left that that first summer uh, very you know optimistic about where the research was headed. Uh, unlike a lot of rare diseases, Friedrich's ataxia's mechanism was discovered. Uh, 20 years ago. You know, some rare diseases, they have no idea what they're dealing with, where this one, they figured it out in 1997, and they've been trying to, uh, ever since, find a way to, to use the mechanism to 
to, to harness a cure. Um, and, you know, so for the first couple of years, you know, like I said, she, she wasn't uh, symptomatic. And uh, the, next, uh, the next year after that, we actually found out about a study that showed very promising uh, potential outcomes. She enrolled in the study. It didn't work. Uh, you know, there were maybe four or five weeks worth of the study where she seemed fantastic, but it just didn't have long-term effect. They canceled the study, and that was a year ago, uh, I think next week. And that, you know, was like a punch in the gut because that was the one thing that, that uh, I think we were all hoping was that even if it's not perfect, it's at least something that could pause the disease while we find the thing that's going to work. And without the pause button, you know, we're, we're sliding. And so for the next several months, uh, it was just kind of thinking maybe we'll open up our email one day and find out about the next study, and it, it just hasn't come yet. There mm-hmm. aren't other options out there. They're, they're doing work. They're doing research, but uh, there, isn't, there isn't anything. Meanwhile, what's your, when you're going through all this, how's it affecting your family? How's it affecting you and your wife? And you have other children, right? Yeah, uh, you know, it's. I like to say that every family has its own struggles and challenges, and this one is just ours. There's nothing magic about this disease making our family any different. And so, for the first few weeks uh, after the diagnosis, there was never more love for for Raina than than uh, right then and there. And but after a few weeks uh, of that you start getting back into your normal routine and you know, she, she, you know, talks back to you and she <laughs> needs to be put in time out or whatever it is. Uh, and you know, you go back to being a normal family and just making the most of, of what you have, just like everybody. And it's one of those, those struggles. And at some point you, uh, figure out that there's a guy in town <laughs> at Sanford research. Uh, tell us about that, how you guys, uh, you two, Peter Vitellio, and who's a scientist at Sanford Research, but not necessarily in Friedrichs. We talked a little bit about that. I, how do you get together and say, hey, maybe we can do something about this? It's a random series of events. Uh, back in September, uh, I signed up for the Sioux Falls Half Marathon on a whim because I've always wanted to do it. Ran it after three days of, of what I call quote unquote training, yeah. which was mainly eating spaghetti <laughs> and resting on Saturday. Uh, and I had so much fun doing that that I wanted to sign up for a full marathon. And I, I talked to my cousin who has done this 10 times over. She convinced me to, uh, that it was an okay idea to run the, the full marathon in the Twin Cities three weeks later. Uh, and so I ran that. And during the process of training for that, uh, discovered that there was a group raising money for Friedrichs Ataxia. And so this was like you know, a great thing to do. Uh, we raised uh, $30,000 leading up to the Twin Cities Marathon. And uh, it, it all went uh, to the, the FARA uh, Fund for general FA research. And it was just a very rewarding experience. Uh, but, you know, it left me at the, at the finish line realizing this isn't finished. And... Um, I want to do more. I want to do more than just, you know, run for a thousand dollars a mile. Uh, I want to have more people running with me and I want to raise enough money. At least in my mind, the idea was I want to raise enough money to fund a study here in Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. We've got Sanford laboratories or Sanford research over there. Uh, Surely they can do something. And that's not how it's supposed to work. Like you don't just show up at the front door of a research facility and say, hi, would you please uh, cure my daughter's disease, uh, and here's some money. But that's exactly what what happens next. So, <laughs> somewhere along the line, Peter, 
somebody says to you, hey, I know this guy and he needs help. And you're a scientist, you're a researcher. How do you just say, okay? Well, you know, the kind of interesting part of the story too with our with our chance meeting here was that guy happened to be the one person uh, who was in my laboratory um, five years ago actually working on this project. So he was the only one that really had that information uh, that uh, we were working on something towards Friedrich's ataxia at that time. And because he was doing some other work at Sanford through our uh, coordination of, uh, of rare diseases office, he had gotten connected with Dan and said, you know, my lab, we did some of this work. Maybe there's value in you guys talking together and uh, talking about what was done then and seeing what we can do now. And uh, like Dan said, a kind of a random series of events, but the right dominoes fell. And you feel like you have to pay attention to those cues and you might be onto something here. But you don't, in the world of research, you, you know, there's all this other research in Friedrichs. Do you just call them up and say, hey, we're going to hook on with you guys. Is that all right? I mean, how does that work? It's a tough area. Definitely uh, people have their, uh, their niches claimed and it's hard to carve out something that's truly your own. Um, but actually the world of research, especially in rare diseases, is uh, it's amazing to see the collaborations that occur uh, all around the world because these rare diseases, it's something that is difficult um, difficult to study because maybe they don't get the most attention um, they don't have the most funds behind it but the families and parents uh, you know Raina and Dan uh, you know the patients behind it uh, motivate the researchers to overcome those boundaries and figure out ways to work um, so Dan and I have been working on talking to those other Friedrichs ataxia researchers um, around the world and those leaders and w kind of what we found and does it have a place moving forward and what, when he came to you, when you met him the first time, when you guys got together, what did you tell him? Because here's a, here's a dad, and all he wants to do is save his daughter's life, and you're, you're a researcher. What do you say? You know, I, I have the Ph.D. after my name for a reason. I, I interned at a hospital in college and found out I really didn't like being around sick people and families. However, I still had a passion for health and medicine, so the research lab was a natural fit for me. Um, you know, the only thing that I did when talking to Dan was just try to be honest and sincere. Um, and he did the same. And uh, we've just been kind of working with that over the last couple of months. And the progress we've been able to make has been amazing. Um, however, you know, I still think, you know, what do we need to do logically? What kind of baby steps do we need to take on the project? But we're definitely finding, uh, uh, kind of finding uh, uh, compromise where we could take baby steps and then maybe do that critical experiment that's going to tell us, is this going to work? Mm -hmm. and so, so what you guys need now is money, right? I mean, you talked about you raised money with the uh, uh, marathon up in the Twin Cities, but you need more money than that, and that's what's next, right? That's so right. what are you going to do? So what, uh, what we did was set up a fundraising uh, platform uh, on the internet uh, the website is www.thefinishline.org uh, and uh, it is designed to allow anybody to go on there and help contribute to this effort uh, essentially what we're doing is crowdfunding mm -hmm. rare disease research which wow. is not something that's normally done there's no. there's channels by which people can normally you know access funds but they're they're slower and they're uh, not as suited for what we have for this, which is an immediate need and a, a project that is shovel ready. Uh, Dr. Vitiello can start 
uh, you know, as soon as we've got the funds closed out. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how this is going to happen and, and what the challenges are ahead when we come back with uh, Dan Brentro and Peter Vitiello. And uh, it's a great story. We're going to push on. Uh, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing a really fascinating discussion here, a story that of, of really chance and hope. And uh, we're talking with Peter Vitiello and Dan Brentro. Peter Vitiello is a uh, scientist with Sanford Research, and uh, Mr. Brentro's daughter has been diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia. And uh, how they got together is, is what we've been talking about. Peter, so... You meet Dan and you hear this compelling story and you say, you know, I've done some work here on Friedrichs, but you still got to go back. You got a boss, right, over at Sanford Research. And how do you broach this with them and just go back and say, I'm going to do this over here? What do you think? Yeah, and the tough thing, too, is I had to convince myself first, uh, running a research lab is running a business. Mm -hmm. So I had to really kind of consider, you know, uh, how this would affect the business I was running um, but then certainly, <laughs> I think that was the biggest threshold. Uh, my bosses are very supportive of this. Uh, I've been working at Sanford uh, for eight years and really had uh, an opportunity to help establish kind of our identity of who we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. Um, and a major part of that has been rare disease research. Uh, it was an interest of um, several of our kind of founding scientists coming in. And uh, we even have a, a database uh uh, it's a registry of rare disease patients called the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, CORDS, that works with patients, families, and foundations and scientists to try to connect the right people together. Um, it's just, it just happens that, you know, Dan happened to be lurking right under under our nose right yeah. there. <laughs> so, and uh, we've talked to Dr. Uh, David Pierce, who's the head of Sanford Research, uh, a while back, and he's talking about the CORDS database. It's really trying to create something that doesn't exist right now, which is that just a massive database to just try and connect people kind of like you guys connected in a different way. But that's that's where you're headed, right? That ability to connect everybody together. Exactly. It could be for uh, patients and families just looking for answers um, from the proper experts. Maybe they're at Sanford, maybe they're not. Um, putting them in the right direction in terms of what kind of clinical uh, trial opportunities there are. Because again, these rare diseases... Um, they, they definitely seem few when you talk about them one disease at a time, but collectively um, there are a lot of people affected by these rare diseases. So these sort of coordinated efforts between our registry through cords at Sanford and our scientists and other registries and scientists and uh, uh, foundations that support rare disease research is something that's uh, creating a really unique network to help, help people get to where they need to be to get the best possible care. Um, Dan, so you guys have connected, you've got, the, you're saying, you know, we, we can try and help you out. Um, how did you, so you, you decide, I'm going to raise money. <laughs> how did you decide, you, your, your goal is 75000 right? Right. How did you decide on 75000 I mean, I, uh, I asked Dr. Vitiello to write me up a detailed budget about what he would need to start the project. Yeah. And he spent uh, two or three days going through all of his numbers and came back with, $75,406 for research staff, including a full-time lab tech and part-time supervisory role, uh, 
you know, the, the reagents, the chemicals, uh, ordering the lab mice from Jackson Laboratories, uh, the consumables. I mean, it's it's down to the last penny to, to show what he thinks it's going to take to do this over the next 12 months. So it's one year you want to fund it for. You started a crowdsourcing uh, fundraising effort at thefinishline.org. Um, what other what other sources? I mean, where are you asking people for money? What, how are you doing this? Well, when we raised money the last time, I pestered people on Facebook for two weeks straight. And so I'm sure I'll try that again. Uh, but we're just going to you know, ask people to, to get the word out, to, to share this. Uh, you know, we launched it on, on Tuesday, which was Giving Tuesday, uh, to try to get some support uh, that way. And leading up to, you know, Christmas, you know, my goal is to do this in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Vitiello is ready to do this the moment we, we get to $75,000. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll be able to just push ahead until we, until we get the right number. What was your, how did you tell your daughter that you had made this connection? You were going to do this? Well, she was there. Um, you know, she went to the meeting, Dr. Vitiello, uh, wanted to meet with both of us. And so she sat there at the table and, and, uh, and Pete, uh, you know, got his pen out and started sketching what it was that's going on inside our cells and nobody had ever done that before uh explaining what this disease is doing and then uh that's when he kind of led into what their study had done five years ago mm-hmm. which was to discover that there's this this enzyme uh that uh they think is sort of like a, a custodian for our cells mm-hmm. cleaning up the tox, uh, toxic uh, byproducts inside the cell and that in her cells, for some reason, the custodian doesn't work right. And, you know, up until now, uh, and even today, most of the research and the efforts related to Friedrich's ataxia and a cure are trying to solve the problem that she has a protein deficiency, meaning they're trying to find a way to increase frataxin uh, in Raina's cells. Mm-hmm. And nobody is uh, looking at what this could look at, which is, the idea that if you could increase this PRDX3 enzyme, instead of trying to magically create more protein in your cells, if you can just make the enzyme more active, uh, maybe you can cure the disease. And, you know, the amazing part, you know, when I sit back and look at all this, and, and Dr. Vitiello can tell you more, is that this is not unique to Friedrich's ataxia. This PRDX3 enzyme and that process is something that relates to potentially dozens of other diseases. And uh, if we unlock this one, we could unlock a whole bunch more. Uh, Peter, when you're talking with Dan, obviously he's done all his research, um, but he's a dad, and do you have to sometimes say to him, you mentioned earlier you don't want to give people false hope, but you, he's obviously very studied, a smart guy. He comes in and says, hey, have you this, this, have you looked at this, 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 and this? Every once in a while I have to say, it's okay. We're going to be okay here. Yeah, yeah. Dan uh, consumes the science. Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced that he has a board in his house with all these uh, scientific papers on it that he's reading <laughs> and little strings connecting them together because, uh, 
he eventually has to cut him off himself off from emailing me based on what he's reading and <laughs> thinking about based on our work. Yeah. Um, but he's really excited about uh, the possibility that our findings are could connect some of the dots here and uh, actually uh, be beneficial to uh, to patients such as Raina. Um, however, I do have to kind of always kind of you know, remind him and have that uh, kind of logical approach that I would take with uh, the rigor of being a scientist. Well, we have to kind of prove this before we get to this next part. Um, we're taking a science uh, a discovery, something that was done in the on the lab bench, mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out based on the discovery, could this affect some of the. Um, um, some of the symptoms uh, that are, are seen in Friedrich's ataxia in a, in a human. You know, that's a big leap. There's a lot of steps to take. So I've been talking to Dan about what those steps are and, and when, when do we do uh, kind of the logistic approach? When do we go for a home run here and try mm-hmm. to test something big? Everything's moving very fast. Is, this seems highly unusual. How hopeful are you that you can do something in a year that, gives you reason to continue. Yeah, I think the one thing is, since we were working on this project five years ago, um, you know, we were at a place where we had made an interesting discovery. Um, now we just got to see how relevant is this to uh, to the disease. And I think we're in a place where uh, a lot of the other Friedrichs ataxia researchers, other things have been investigated, we're in a place where we can test that pretty easily. Um, it may not be a clear yes or no answer and require further testing. Um, but this is why we do this work in the laboratory. We're going to do the best with what we have. And I think what we have right now is going to get a, get us close enough to say yes or no within this next year. Is this something we can continue to take and move an idea that we can, uh, you know, bring a possible therapy, you know, uh, to patients based on, uh, based on this work. We'll, we'll find that out. I think in the next year, Dan, do you think you can save your daughter's life? Absolutely. <clears throat> this, this, the whole series of events leading up to this makes me think that this is something that's that's really got a lot of promise. Um, and you know, I, I just I refuse to believe, and I, and I, I tell Raina every time we talk about this that uh, I don't think there's any chance that science can't find the answer because of how fast science is moving. And so I'm not going to save her life, but there's a lot of people out there that, that know more than me that have the ability to make this, this happen. And we just need to figure out ways to support them. Uh, you know, the, the, the big thing with rare disease research is, uh, that, you know, there are, you know, sources of funding for, uh, for obvious, uh, obvious science. Uh, if, it's, if it's proven, then you can get more funding to, to follow the stuff that's proven. If it's a home run shot, uh, that, that's a long shot, like a one in 10,000 shot, there's not a lot of funding for something like that because there's just not a lot of uh, interest in it. And then uh, on the private side, if you have uh, something that's, that's pretty likely to show uh, promise and, and uh, turn into something that's, that's a medicine that you can sell, there's money for that, but there's, there are gaps in that funding uh, cycle and funding system for stuff like this that just got left in a, in a drawer uh, really by accident because of a lack of funding and a lack of instru- infrastructure. And, uh, and so if we in some small way can push this forward as a catalyst, uh, then we can make uh, a small amount of dollars, you know, $75,000 here, turn into something a whole lot bigger down the road. It's a great story. 
uh, Dan Brentro, whose daughter has been diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia, and uh, Peter Vitellio, who is a scientist with Sanford Research. Uh, gentlemen, good luck to you both. Thank you very much. And don't forget the the in thefinishline.org. If you, the if, finish you, if you forget the the, it sends you somewhere else. So <laughs> thefinishline.org. And we will post those links on our social media, P. Lally Show and KSOO on Facebook. So uh, thanks a lot for being here, guys. Thank you very much, thanks. sir. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.